0: Hello everyone and welcome this morning to uh episode 141 of the Citrix session. I am your host, Bill Sutton. I have with me a couple of folks from like like normal, a couple of folks from the cloud software group and Citrix, um, Todd Smith and Jeremy Myers. Todd, you want to say hello to the
1: to the group? Hey, Bill, and hey, everyone joining in today.
0: Yep. Thanks. I believe it's
1: almost the end of summer.
0: Yeah, I know, definitely getting there. Uh f- first day of school for where I live was this morning or today. Mm, um, mm-hmm. This is what, August 21st? Yeah. Um, my kids don't go till tomorrow because they let the ninth graders and the sixth graders um, go on day one to get used to the school and then the rest of them go on day two. So also with
2: us, uh, of course, as usual, is Jeremy Myers. Jeremy, you want to say hello to the to the audience? Good morning. and And Todd, it's good to see you. I feel like it's been couple of weeks since we saw you last. So welcome back.
0: Yeah. For sure, yeah. for sure.
1: Tracing so, around Canada has been my uh my forte.
0: Oh really? What part of Canada have you been around?
1: Uh so I've been to Ottawa. I've been to uh got a trip coming up uh in October that we're planning out for uh Calgary and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um and then traditional wow. getting out to Vancouver and uh uh, other sites within British Columbia, so
0: uh, doing a little traveling, huh? Just a little, just a little. Yeah, I was actually out in Dallas, very hot Dallas last week with my team for a little bit of training. But um, uh, it's much cooler here for sure, but more humid. So there's something to be said for dry heat, right? You know, you get out to Dallas, it's 97, but you walk outside and it's you don't know, you're not you know it's not like you're walking into a sauna. It's hot, but you're not walking into a <laughs> sauna like. It's 97 here, and it's 85 percent humidity. It's it's you know it's like walking into a wall. You walk outside,
2: mm, it gives you a hug. It gives you a warm yeah, exactly, hug. exactly. So speaking know- of Canada, so speaking of Canada, Todd, did you know today's a uh, it's a holiday in parts it of is Canada in the Yukon? In the Yukon, yeah, I didn't realize this. Um, I uh, oh yeah, it's uh, it's Discovery Day in the Yukon. What do you think <laughs> they discovered in Canada, or I, I guess in the Yukon, that they give it its own day? It probably has something related to either gold or uh, some type of uh, elk or moose. That is why we call you Big Data, Todd. It is they <laughs> discovered gold in the Yukon, <laughs> and it's the third Monday of August. <laughs> so that's interesting. It showed up in my calendar. So we've got all these uh, we've got these calendars, you know, within CSG. We import them in, and so since I have an engineer who's based in uh, Montreal, I've got the Canadian calendar, and it popped up, and I was like, Tony what is discovery day? And he goes, (laughs) he goes, Oh, I didn't realize that was, was going to show up, but it was pretty fascinating. (laughs)
0: So are they, are they, is it a national holiday or at least uh, that territory? Provincial. Yeah. it's Provincial uh,
1: provincial holidays. I see. -hmm.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. I see. Okay. Interesting stuff. So let's uh, go ahead and move forward. Um, We're going to be covering an article entitled, a blog rather, entitled Simplify Citrix Workspace App Management with Global App Configuration Service, written by Emma Bland. This is from middle of July. Um, so I'll kick it off here. Uh, obviously, um, the the focus here is on the Workspace App um, Management, which is the Workspace app, of course, is the locally installed application that you know, users will leverage to access their virtual apps and desktops. Um, And this uh, does a couple of things. Um, One is uh, helps with the management of the app itself, and the other is helps users enroll or access their applications uh, in a much more simplified way. Jeremy, you want to start off and kind of give a high level on this, if you don't mind?
2: Um, Yeah, so let me ask this question, uh, because, Bill, you're a a long-timer with Citrix, is in the past, if I wanted to configure, I'll say, Workspace app, um, I'll say Receiver, I'll even go back to, say, the online plug-in. So that'll that'll take some of us back. But if I wanted to configure that, um, two things. One, how did I do it? And number two, what kinds of devices could I do it on? So we'll start with a little trivia.
0: Well, I think how you would do it uh, back in the day, there's a couple of ways to do it, depending on which one you were talking about. But primarily, mm-hmm. I think you would have leveraged GPOs. You would yep. have imported an ADM or ADMX template into... Into your active directory, and then you would have leveraged GPOs. Um, the reality is, if you go back to the online plugin or the PN agent, there was the capability of being able to manage it with I and I files, as I recall. Um, but I don't know that I had very, very few people that did that. Um, most leveraged GPOs, but, but the problem with that was the device has had to be a member of the domain so that it could participate yep. in the application of GPOs and. Uh, as you'll as we'll see as we go through this, one of the benefits of this is the ability to manage devices that are perhaps not joined to the domain.
2: So that's a that's a really good point, right? And I think that is probably the biggest point the article tries to make is you know historically it had to be a managed device um, because you were doing it with a GPO, you're doing it with ini files. So in that case, you had to have some sort of like physical physical access to the device. But even if you didn't, if you if this was domain joined, you could push push out a policy you could configure the heck out of you know, the workspace app or whatever iteration it was called at the time, which is fantastic. But listen, we got a lot of BYO, right? So how do you manage a device or how do you right. manage this app when I don't manage the device? And so that is what one of the big things around the global app configuration service does. Now it does a few other things outside of just you know, what we consider, consider you know access to like Windows apps, but that's a big change. And so that's what we're gonna talk through.
1: Yeah. And I think to add on to to the conversation here, I I think the the other big component that we're missing out on is, you know, we're trying to get people productive on day one of their employment, right? And the way we used to have to do things is we'd have to ship them a machine or ship them some some type of domain join device. They would have to go to a physical office. They would have to connect to a company provided secure network in order to just gain access to those applications and those services. Um, and that all changed, right? We took, a, we, we've seen more and more employees working from home or working remotely. Right? They're not using company issued devices sometimes, and they're almost never connecting to a company LAN. right? So bringing back some old school technology and terminology here, um, which means that I couldn't even push it out via traditional software deployment methods. Uh, so we, we have to come up with some way to, to manage a fleet of devices and versions of this workspace app. And, you know, the reasons for keeping current, keeping up to date on your workspace app is, you know, a lot of it's productivity, but a lot of it's security management too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you know, I think one of the key things and we'll get to this in a minute is, uh, not just the ability to. To uh, to manage the settings of the device, which we haven't really talked about, but to uh, manage—I'm sorry—of the app, but also to manage updates. You know, um, new new versions of the app, which historically we've had to manage in some sort of other method. Um, So this is kind of a iteration, the next iteration of merchandising server, right, guys?
2: Well, I'll even go a step further. Now, Todd will have to keep me straight here because he's actually gotten uh, he's actually done training on this, but uh, eventually. I don't know if this is live yet, Todd, but the idea is there are certain pieces of software, non Citrix software, um, that you might have to run on your device. So, for instance, Mm -hmm. you know, the Workspace app comes baked in with some Teams optimization, which is fantastic. What do you do for Zoom? You know, what do you do for these other agents that, you know, maybe aren't baked into Workspace app is you can update and manage some of these plugins as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that is a big game changer, especially for, again, unmanaged devices. So, I know that is on the. Uh, I know it was definitely on the roadmap. Is that is that a thing yet, Todd?
1: I don't. I don't think it's been officially released yet. Um, I believe it was scheduled for tech preview uh, coming up. We can we can verify
2: that. Okay. Okay. But listen, Zoom, Webex, you've got any sort of like endpoint plugin, you know, security tool that you need to manage on that endpoint. You know, we can potentially do this with the uh, config service as well, which is pretty slick. Yeah. Well, that's. What I mean, important. if you think, if you think back of it. You know, the installers <laughs> always used to go and check for, do I have the
1: right version of the .NET frameworks? Do I have the right versions of Visual the plugins? C++. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, nowadays, people don't want to have to sit there and click through 15 different checkboxes. They want it to automatically do that, right? And that gives us a lot more control, us as administrators, a lot more control over our environment, who can do, uh, you know what users can do what they can see without having to go and turn the users into part of our update and management process yeah
0: exactly all right so let's let's cover the first section of the article this is a little bit different we haven't really talked about this yet so this is a good segue the email discovery of storefront and workspace so uh, talk to me a little bit about what's the history what historically we've required when a user installs or gets a device with the Workspace app installed before this capability came about, how they got it configured to connect to their environment.
1: Yeah. Which one of you guys wants to take that? So I, I can take this because one of the challenges, and I, and I mentioned this earlier, was the, you know having to coordinate a lot of activity for someone to start working on day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes we would send them out I remember I go back to the days when you would get a letter and the letter had your username and password in it or some type of default password. So you could go. It was a one time type of occurrence. It would give you a, a website to go to um, and things like that. Uh, but that was that was complex. It was sometimes opening up some security gaps, uh, some potential uh, Risks were added in there, so we wanted to be able to, to make it a little bit more smoother and streamlined. Um, so this this global app can uh, sorry global app config uh, app discovery service or auto discovery service really gives you the ability to search based on your email address, um, cool. and that will go out and find you, point you to the right storefront URL uh, that has already been populated with the correct with the correct domain information. Um, you can set it up so it so it will give you, a, it will allow you a one-time password and force you to change your password upon a uh, successful connection. Um, it basically puts you in like a quarantine state until you go through that. Um, and at the same time, it'll automatically detect what your, what version of the workspace app you've got running. Does that need to be updated before you can proceed even further? Um, and then it turns that into a background task. Right, so I don't need to worry about all of these uh, end users trying to do updates on a regular basis. You almost want to give it the, and, and you know some people shudder when I say this, but you almost want to give it like a, a an Apple type of experience where updates right. are occurring in the background. Microsoft is doing the same thing. Um, you know, it's no longer Patch Tuesday; it's Patch every day. Um, there's something going on in the background when you reboot. And every once in a while, you'll, you'll get a message saying, hey, your system needs to be restarted or your application needs to be restarted. Same process. So people are getting more and more familiar with this, this entire concept.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this is uh, really out-of-the-box capability of, of yep. literally where the user enters their email address in, mm-hmm. as opposed to having to remember some sort of storefront address or some sort of, um, you know, website that they'd have to point it to a Netscaler or what have you. It's literally just they, you can the administrator configures it on the back end based, I presume, on the domain name. Yep. User enters yep. their email address, including the domain name, and it takes them mm-hmm. through a series of steps, gets them authenticated, configures everything. like you said, Todd, if it determines that there's an update needed, it goes ahead and presumably applies the update. Um, what's required on the back end, do you know um, to make this work?
1: So there is a version of storefront that needs to be running on the back end, Um, and I believe it's called out in this this blog post. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, it says that it'll map the storefront URL to the domain, and then uh, presumably the users claim it based on their email address, uh, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so this is really, really makes it, really is going to make it easier for the end user, particularly to get, to get ramped up and onboarded very, very quickly. Um, cause they don't have to struggle with getting the letter in the mail and dealing with all the URLs and other, other elements that are associated with this. Is this, um, do you guys know, is this, uh, an add-on? Is this included with Daz? Um, how does this, how, how is it, uh, how's the customer entitled to it?
2: It is included with that, I believe. Okay. Like, yeah, as wow. long as you have a service, you're just listen, you're just trying to config the workspace app, so it doesn't really take over the role of like say an endpoint management solution, right? Because uh, it's just focused <laughs> on the app itself. Um, but if you if you need to leverage the app, there you go. So here's the interesting thing, right? So I think we tend to forget. So we've already talked a little bit about app management here, but um, there's a lot more baked into workspace app than has been in the past uh, one of the biggest pieces is the enterprise browser mm-hmm. right so a lot of times that gets looked over because you don't necessarily go in and actually download and install enterprise browser it's a part of workspace app um, so as a part of this config service there's several things you can configure one of those is you know any of those enterprise browser settings which at the end of the day is just a chromium based um, you know browser Right. So a lot of options just to turn that on, whether or not you allow plugins, you know, can you push out, you know, uh, bookmarks, things like that, uh, what you can do within the app. So, for instance, you know, for the longest time, we've been able to, you know, manage security for virtual apps, like copy and paste, printing, things like that. Now, these are all security policy settings that we can push out to that browser as well. So, you know, essentially provide that same level of um, security posturing as we do, you know, on a virtual app, on as an app, on a desktop.
0: Yeah, so the user enrolls, logs in to uh, mm-hmm. Workspace app. They get the they get the uh, enterprise browser. And what you're saying here is that from a app version perspective, from you know the standpoint of policies and perhaps even updates, mm-hmm. um, we can manage that browser, whether the device is joined to the domain or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. Yep.
1: Yep. And and Bill, just to answer the, the question earlier about what you know, where and what versions do you need. Um, So the Workspace App version it's currently supporting on the current release twenty one oh six as well as LTSR twenty two oh three. The one caveat is is it's this is not available for the Workspace App for Linux. Okay, but for Windows, Mac, iOS, HTML five, Chrome, and Android, it is currently available.
0: Yeah, I saw in here as well that um, the automatic upgrades are that are planning they're planning for future. To do that for ltsr it looks like the yes. crs are all covered but um but for ltsr i wouldn't yes. imagine that it would be too far down the road yes. um so we talked a little bit about or we talked a lot about the email discovery the next item in the blog is the app version management which we talked about kind of at the beginning but let's round it out and make sure we didn't miss anything here so um i noticed some statements in the article or in the blog Relative to being able to test out upgrades before pushing to production, um, which, I, which I think is something we've always wanted to have to do is being, being able to test the latest version of a workspace app and make sure that the upgrade process goes smoothly. Any, either you guys have any comments in that regard?
2: Um, yeah, so when you think about how you used to do that with GPOs, um, you were probably installing workspace app from, you know, maybe a, a like a network location. Right. or sending folks out that way and in this way you can sort of redirect folks you know let's talk about a version number if you need to get an upgrade it will yank it directly from the citrix.com website as opposed to you having to host that anywhere um but you can also set up you know groups so not only do i want to single out bill is it my test user i'm going to push out a certain version we're going to roll that piece out first that works great if not guess what we roll it back to so there's a lot that we can do around testing um you know just versioning you know picking you know, groups out, you know, that sort of thing, uh, which is pretty slick.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then the next item here is app configuration, um, which, again, we talked about the, the ability to leverage the cloud-based um, management, con- or management framework to configure and manage the and keep updated the actual workspace app itself. Um, and you can apply settings to all users, whether or not they're domain members or not domain members. Um, and the other thing I, I saw in here, which we might want to talk a little bit about is being able to apply the settings at the store level so they can be based on different use cases um, yeah. as well as, you know, various things like uh, policies that we would have historically done in in the policy engine We can, that we can enforce either that way or directly on the workspace app around security app protection, um, uh, uh, audio, et cetera. Any, you guys want to elaborate on any of these?
1: Well, I I think the biggest thing we're trying to do here is is to get the security, those policies and those configurations set as soon as possible in the Mm -hmm. authentication chain and in the user experience chain, right? So uh, if we can do more to set and protect uh, earlier in the process, um, it's gonna give a a better user experience. It's not gonna cause any any further delays, but also make sure that protection is there Protection and controls and restrictions are there as soon as possible.
0: Absolutely. Um, all right. I think uh, I think we've covered it. Really, there was two phases or two fac- facets to this this blog. One was the email discovery of storefront and workspace, and then the uh, centralized central management of the actual workspace app itself. Um, yeah. Both from the standpoint of being able to manage configuration and policies, as well as manage the updates to the app itself. Um, so that's that's really what this article is about. You guys have any closing thoughts before we, we round this out today?
2: Yeah, I want to go back to something Todd said. So, again, this supports, you know, Windows, Mac, you know, Android, uh, iOS, even Chrome OS. Uh, what's not supported is Linux. However, let's think through that real quick. Um, Linux is probably primarily delivered how? Probably through a thin client right so yeah. don't get me wrong i'm one of those guys who does have a laptop with ubuntu on it and i do install linux on it but i'm probably a one-off right uh, but for the most part you know you're probably getting a linux you know a workspace app through a thin client somehow and how are we managing that most likely we're managing that through whatever the thin client management stack is right so for instance you know we do a lot of work with igel um, just managing it through the IGL console is really how we're managing that. Should not be surprising. Will we see this on Linux at some point? Probably. But, yeah, that's probably why it didn't lead with, uh, yeah. you know, Linux being the first use case you know, we're already doing that, you know, usually using the thin client software itself.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that factored into the the thinking here mm-hmm. uh, to your point, Jeremy. It's something like iGel leveraging their management mm-hmm. framework. We can really, you know, keep, keep things updated, keep them, get them configured. Mm-hmm. Use the onboarding service that's in, that's, uh, that's embedded in there or available in there. So certainly that makes sense. Why we would focus on the, the broader use cases, which is, um, obviously uh, Citrix following up with what they've been saying, what you guys have been saying for a while, which is meeting the customer where they are. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, a lot more BYO, a lot more remote working um, and the complexities of maintaining domain memberships and having to push policies around along that way, um, particularly with distributed workforce. This makes it things a lot simpler to to configure and manage the uh, the the entry point, if you will, to the Citrix environment. So really good stuff. Uh, Any other final parting thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, I I think as as with all of our content uh, in the blogs that we talk about, you know, more information is available, or deeper, further information is available in the product documentation. You can also use TechZone. TechZone has been uh, continuously updated uh, with a lot of these new concepts, including you know architecture diagrams and you know deeper dive information in there. Um, There's also a really great video about talking about some of the Citrix features uh, that we're talking about. Um, and just a shameless plug, there is a upcoming webinar this week, um, as well. And it's, uh, what's new with the Citrix, uh, business unit as part of, uh, Software Group. And that's going to happen on, uh, I believe it's going to be Thursday. Okay. Great. But if not with all of our webinars, they'll be recorded as well. So you'll be able to, uh, if you miss it, it'll be out there,
2: uh,
0: like, yeah, or, no such yeah. thing as a shameless plug. plug there is about.
2: no, there is no shameless plug, especially because I know Bill and I have been fired up about trying to do. We keep clicking that link, thinking it's an update to what's new, and as it turns out, it's a it's a link to the webinar. So what I would say is go do the webinar. I can promise you, we'll probably cover what's covered in that webinar sometime, relatively soon as well. So oh, well, I'm sure,
0: absolutely, yeah. So. Well, look, thanks, guys. Appreciate your attention today and participation, as as always. We'll see you next time.
2: Excellent. Great. All right, Bill. See you, Todd.
1: See you.